Have you heard that bang in the garage in the middle of the night? Could it have been a spring or a garage door has broken? Call the experts at Precision Door Service. Two numbers to contact them. Area code 708-474-6657 or 219-306-8155. They can always be reached online at precisiongarage-door.com. Those numbers again, in case of emergency, with your garage door, Precision Door Service at 708-474-6657 or 219-306-8155. You can always get them online at precisiongarage-door.com. guys, thanks for checking out another 316 podcast. I am Clayton from 316 Creative Works. Today we're at part two of Talking with Ivan. Uh, before we get into that, uh, let's always thank our most favorite people in the whole wide world. It's Larry and Sandy. Thanks for everything that you've done for us. Uh, Justin, our technical producer. Uh, Danielle, the house manager. Esther, our creative producer. Uh, what a great studio from DLO Studio Designs and sponsored by uh, Payrock Processors. So uh, thanks to those guys over there for, uh, for all their generosity. So love them. Um, love what's going on in here. Guys, uh, catching up with um, part two of Ivan. So, so part, part one really was your childhood. Yeah. I mean, you were south side of Chicago, moved around quite a bit. Yep. Um, a couple older brothers, mm-hmm. uh, father, godfathers, yeah. uh, mom. I mean, what what a story of well, what life could have been, Yeah. right? But your mom, I mean, what, was religion or faith or spirituality a part of your life at all from 15 or younger? Yeah, so for the most part, we were Catholic. Good Catholic I, I would kids. say by default. Yeah, you know, it was one of those uh, religions that allowed you to go to mass and then do whatever you wanted for the most part, and then just come and yeah, you confess were, your sins. Yeah, you were pretty much a cultural Catholic, right? I yeah. mean, yep. you go to mass once in a while, once right? In a while. Christ- yep. Christmas and Easter. Yep. Did was, my we, first communion. Yeah, was your mom more faithful? I mean, did did she go to church a lot? Was she more into the Catholic um, Catholic tradition? She just. My mom wasn't really the one that go to church a lot. She definitely loved to go or take the opportunity when she had the opportunity. But uh, I think for the most part, her prayer life was something that I always remember being a part of our life. Like she, no matter how bad it got, no matter how ugly it looked, she never stopped one time to have faith that God was still there. You know that, but it was it was one of those things that we almost laughed at. Like really, you know, God really, uh-huh. you know, but. Uh, I always remember sometimes, it wasn't all the time, but there was moments where I think it just got so bad that she always told us to pray, you know, the, to just, you know, to have faith in God, you know, that it's going to get better uh, because it got real bad sometimes. But that's it. And it was never really a relationship thing that I ever saw. It was never really a push to, you know, let's go to church to do this or be involved. It was just kind of a matter of almost, I think, sometimes being so ugly, you know, so so messed up 
that's like where else do you look to, you know? So I think my mom, knowing her cultural background of being, you know, praying to the saints and, you know, you have a saint for everything and, you know, you have the Virgin Mary and you have the whole monument in front of your house. Most, you know, Mexican families that are Catholic have all the altars and stuff with the candles and the baby Jesus and stuff like that. But it's almost something you just grow up looking at all, you know, the, the Last Supper billboard on your kitchen, you know, it's right. kind of just around, you know, but it's never been a thing where I knew who Jesus was. I never heard of the story of the cross. I didn't have a relationship, didn't know how to pray, didn't know what that looks like. I didn't know what a, even a praying family looked like, you know, what does that look like? So the, the, the religious setting was never a part of our home. It was almost a, a thing that people just knew, you know, like, you know, you get in trouble, like, please God, let me get out of this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. One of those type of gods. But, um, yeah, that was that was for the most part. It was it was that for me. Um, so your home was your mom. Yeah. Two older brothers. Yeah. Uh, sometimes a stepdad. Yeah. Uh, was your godfather part of that, or was yeah, it, some, he was in the house? No, he wasn't in the house, but he was a big part of my life. Uh, he was very. Uh, my uncle was very involved. He he liked to involve himself just because he's actually all three of us, all three brothers were. He's our godfather. Yeah. You know, so we looked up to him, but. He was, I believe, only doing the best that he knew how to do. Yeah. He has a he has a big heart. He has a giving heart, but he had addictions. He had his yeah. demons he was dealing with, and yeah. we were, you know, on for the ride with him. And I love him still today. But you know, of course I do. But it was just I can see now he was only doing what he knew how to do best because he didn't know anything else, you know. So and he did great at it, but. Uh, that lifestyle catches up, obviously, and yeah, and, and it came to an end. But uh, by the time I was 15, uh, that home in Griffith was seized by the government, so we got raided. Uh, you know, there's a, obviously a sting operation that was being planned on us for months. Right, so so federal indictment against your father, your, your stepdad. And my mom. Yeah, yeah. Just everybody. They basically had an ongoing investigation for months on our, on our home, and they had pictures of all the out-of-state cars parking at our home and they had a lot of stuff on us, um, so but it was just—it was a random day. It was like a school night, yeah, just normal and just day. boom, everybody. You, you see the trucks and the SWAT, yeah, yeah, and everybody yeah. just pull up and dogs Heli- and helicopter. It was crazy, up. you know. So, uh, stepdad goes away for a little bit. You said fifteen years. At, so at this time, he was already—he uh, was already in prison. Okay, he so already they, had got arrested. They got a uh, and, and now it was just us, and my mom um, was almost forced to now become. A drug dealer because yeah. of the fact that he was in prison now and the people that we had these you know the project from still wants their money so we were actually warned by a family friend who was part of the business with the family uh he actually i remember him coming and sitting us down and having a serious conversation with my mom in front of us saying uh so what's going to happen you know because there's a lot of angry people that still want their money right you know so business must go on you know so she had to pick up that uh that that weight and start doing what she just did not want to do, and she. I think at that point, that's when she really started like crying almost every night. She hated her life. She, she would always tell us that she failed us, and and it was at that point that it got real ugly. Just because my my brother at the time he divided himself from the family business and created his own lane, Did his own business, yeah, and business doing yep. the same thing but with his own people. Yep. Uh, so at this point, it got my mom got into a, such a tight place with not knowing how to navigate these avenues of the drug dealing part that my 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 brother was actually doing some big things on the, on his own. So it got so crazy that my brother actually almost like pitched a business plan to my mom yeah. on how he can 
solve this issue how, for her. How could I absorb her business? Yeah, dude, right? so it was like, what? So my mom just, she hated it. She hated it. I remember her crying, not even a crier of, 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 of disgust. It was like a crier of almost just... A despair. Oh, my God. Yeah, it, it sucked. I remember it. And uh, my brother was already so hard, you know. I remember him always being that tough guy, you know, so hard. Nothing really made him cry much, you know. And he was like, well, mom, you just stop crying. You know, we need to get this done. And I remember being at the kitchen table, seeing just kilos all over. You know, at this point, it was an open book now. No more yeah, hiding. Out there, right? Yeah, so I'll we're count, we're counting thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars in our kitchen on, you know, the counter machines that you see at the, you know, banks and stuff. And we got just work all over the table, and it's like residues all over the house. And you can just tell my mom was just so miserable, so miserable. And my brother was like, at that point, I almost think he uh, – there was almost a sense of of, of, of loss of respect um, in the home between us, uh, like the brothers and stuff like that. Not it wasn't that I didn't respect him or he wouldn't respect each other. It's just that he knew that without me, you can't do this now. So it's just like almost like you get to look down at your mom, and it felt like that for a little while. Like you know, he couldn't talk back, and my mom couldn't say anything, and and it was almost such such a disrespect where you you want to say something like don't talk to her like that, but that at the end of the day, like. Who am I to say anything? You know, like you're literally are you're carrying us on your back right now. You're, you're, you know, the son, my my oldest brother. You know, so now at the end of the day, all I can do is really just have respect for what he's doing. You know, which is saving our life. You know, really, because if not, then there's going to be somebody else coming to knock on our door, and they're not going to want to take us to jail. They're going to want to put us six feet under. You know, right. So, uh, feds feds come in and and everybody goes away, or does your mom? Or does no, it just, so they just uh, crack down and it's a seizure. Yeah, so they took everything. They found a lot of stuff in our house, well, in the garage. It, it was in the first. It was in the front page of the Indiana Times, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and it was a. Uh, they put in there. It was like a one point two, one point five million dollar uh, find in the back and in the garage. Um, so that that happened. So obviously our house was done, and we right. ended up moving back in. To Cal City, my grandma's house or apartment, you know. And your mom's mom's house. Mm-hmm. So they got all the drugs. They yep. got all the guns. All that. Uh, they got all the cars. Mm-hmm. They got the house. It was a government seizure. They all got right. everything. Yep. And put you guys out of business. Yep. But secretly, your mom was okay with that. Yeah. She was like, that That was the answer to her prayer. Oh, I think so. But not yours. Yeah. Because you were not going back to Cal City. Yeah, well, I just didn't want to be anywhere that my family wasn't. I at the end of the day, I I almost didn't care either. You know that fam- that whole house was a facade to me. You know the whole time we were going to Griffith High School or middle school, it was like unreal for me. That whole part of my life is almost it almost didn't even happen. You know, like it it was such a facade. It was such a dream. It was it was a, almost sometimes a nightmare. You know uh, that. That part of my life, when I talk about it, it's just such a small period of time and so much nastiness happened in that time that it just was like, how did that even happen? You know, it's like a blip, you know, there's just like of just garbage. And, and when we ended up in Calumet City in my grandma's house, it almost felt like a like a like a safe place, you know, like I don't care. Home. Yeah, I don't even care if it's a two bedroom apartment, you know, at that <laughs> at that point, my, my brother didn't live with us anymore. He he was doing his own thing. You know, it was just me and my mom and my middle brother, Jose. But uh, even at that time, Jose was, he was kind of out there doing his own thing too. So I would just see my mom cry every day, you know, and she just was like in this inner self of, of I, I, I let you guys down. I'm a horrible mom. I, I failed. And 
I would just try to affirm her every day, just like, you know, you did the best you could, you know, like you, you didn't fail us. We're still alive. We're still here. You know, we, we you know, and I'm, I'm going to be, uh, I remember at that time it was, it was in October, it was fall time and my birthday was coming. And while we were at my grandma's house, my, my grandfather died that while we were there and he was a, a big part of my life. And, um, so when he passed, he was actually an alcoholic, and he had a uh, blood tra- blood transfusion because of the alcohol volume in his bloodstream and yeah, system. So liver they, shut down. Yeah, so he had to get a blood transfusion. Uh, but and this wasn't the first time; it's just this time was the last time. Uh, so every time he'd get a blood transfusion, he'd have seizures, you know, because of his you know body being so clean that it was wanted alcohol. Uh, so he passed away in his sleep, and that was about a week before my birthday. And uh, yeah, that was hard. That was hard, and then. Right after that, my mom was just like, you need to get out of here. Because you were affected. She started to see her baby boy, yeah. Ivan. Well, she wanted all of us to leave. Okay, so she wanted the whole family, yeah. including herself but, or just her boys? Well, she, just just us. She, she wanted to send all three of us to my dad's house. But, of course, my brother was like, I'm not going anywhere. Not going anywhere. He's in... You couldn't force him to do anything already. Well, he was a CEO of his own family, right? Yeah. He was running yeah, his own yeah, gang. Yeah, so he was out doing his own thing. And then my <laughs> brother, uh, he was already uh, with his his wife now. Uh, he was having a baby. She was pregnant. And he, my brother, uh, his wife was pregnant at like 17, 16. So he so wasn't, he's not he going, wasn't going anywhere. But you said, good idea. No, I actually didn't. I, I, I didn't want to go. But uh, I just got, I literally just got tired of seeing my mom cry. And one day I remember just going up to her bed. It was at my grandma's house, and she's laying there crying. And I just like, Mom, if it will stop you from crying, I'll go. And she was like, really? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, it's not going to be forever. It'll just be for six months, just for stuff to cool down. I'm like, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, I guess just call him. You know, my dad's a so very— you, So you've never talked to him before? My dad? Yeah. I never really had communication with him in, since before he left. She says, go live with your father in L.A. And uh, it's in Northern California. Northern California. Yeah. So opposite yeah. San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah. San Francisco Bay. Yeah. <clears throat> so she says, go live with your father in California. Yeah. And you said, no, 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 no. no you're no, like, no. fine, all right, whatever. Yeah. If, you, if it'll help you get over this, yep. I'll go. Mm-hmm. So then you call him for the first time, like, hey. No, I didn't. My mom called Dad. him, and he said, "All right, whatever, send him." Yeah, I don't even know what how it happened. Uh, didn't even know when he was coming, really. And it, it just sucked that the day he actually got there to pick me up was my birthday. It was my actual birthday. So he came to Chicago mm. on your fifteenth birthday, yeah, and went to Cal City yeah. to his ex-wife, his ex-mother-in-law's house, apartment, mm, yeah. to pick you up. Yep. And the two of you fly out that day? Drive. You drive. So he comes, rents a car. Yeah. He flies out, rents a car. No, he drove from... He doesn't fly. He's scared. <laughs> He's one of them old-school Mexican people. Uh, he drives everywhere. So he drove a Ford Taurus from California to Chicago, and then on my birthday, Picked we drove up. back. But he had his wife with him as well. Um and yeah, it was just super awkward. We fought. Yeah, I was gonna say. So, so you just awkward. get in the back of a Ford Taurus, and yeah. your luggage is in the back seat. And yeah. what, what is this? Uh, this is mid nineties. Uh, this is the year two thousand and two. Two thousand two. So yeah. you got you got your Beats on, and you got right. <laughs> so, you're, you're trying to do so. So yeah. you just make a four day trip. Yeah. To California with some guy you've never met before. Yeah, basically. And his wife. 
Yeah, yeah. So I remember leaving on my birthday. I had just he picked me up actually in the parking lot of Aunt Sally's in Calumet City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Love breakfast that place. spot. Yeah, right, yeah, now right. it's a smoke shop, but <laughs> right. everything is. Yeah, yeah, right. But uh, yeah, he picks me up there, and right before I leave, uh, my brothers and I we go to the back of this restaurant, and yeah, we smoked. <laughs> we got high, and well, then nice. got in the car, and that's it. And then we drove off, and I just remembering thinking, this sucks. You know, like this sucks. I'm literally being kicked out of my city. You know, I'm being kicked out of. Did you cry? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're 15. You're, yeah. you're kind of a gangbanger. You're yeah. kind of a drug dealer. I mean, yeah. you're kind of. I don't, a, I don't think I cried until I got to California, and it wasn't even tears of sadness. It was tears of anger. anger. I was just super mad. Adrenaline's super rolling. mad. Yeah. Me and my me and my dad got into a fist fight the first hotel we got to, and we were like in the hills of like, uh, wherever we were. You yeah, know? Colorado, whatever, right? I think it was Colorado, and we stopped and we had our little words, and my dad likes to drink so he's we stopped at a hotel he got himself a little beers and he started just asking me these super out-of-pocket questions i felt about my mom you know and i was just like dude don't talk about my mom you know and we had that conversation and it just ended up in fist fight and first thing he told me he's like i don't even know if you're my son you know and he, well, once we get to california you get the f out of my house i'm like dude perfect sounds great when we get there please send me home so we get to California, and of course he doesn't send me home. Uh, but I'm just I'm angry. When I got to California, and I and I, and I spent my first week in the, in a California high school, I probably got into more fights in that school than I can even count in my whole life, just because I was from where I'm from, you know. So you're 15. Your birthday's in October. October so 14. So happy birthday, by the way, because yeah. it's coming up right next yeah, week. October 14. Yeah, happy yeah. birthday, bro. Yeah, right on. Uh, <laughs> so. So you get to your new home, yeah. Um, October twenty, yep. you start school. That like, uh, the yeah, like following like probably that second day Monday. I was there, yeah, yeah. And you're a sophomore, I'm thinking. Sophomore? I was a freshman, freshman at, in San Francisco, in Antioch, High. California, Antioch High School. <clears throat> um, is it is it culturally what's it like in California? There is it. It's very, it's like a melting pot. There's okay. a little bit of everything. So it's not like the South Side, Chicago. It's not like no, Kansas City. No, it's very it's, different. You have Samoans, you have uh-huh. Latinos, you have every form of Latino. It's, it's just crazy. Every Asian descent there, every Hispanic culture is there. You got Salvadorians, Nicaraguenses, Mexicans. So you don't even know who's who. You, don't, you can't even call anybody, you know, Mexican or Puerto Rican, which is out here predominantly Mexican or Puerto Rican. Out right. there, it's like. Cuban. Salvadorian, yeah, yeah Colombian, yeah, yeah. Cuban, Spanish. every single, and then you got the, yeah, it's just crazy. But um, but there is a lot, a lot of Latinos, and the biggest uh, gangs in Northern California are two Latin gangs. Yeah, kings. No, it's uh, no. Salvadorians. They're, they're not Salvadorians. They're uh, Norteños and Sureños. So Norteños are usually um, Chicanos, American-born Latinos. They're not just Mexican, but Latinos in general. Sureños are usually ones that are born south of the border. Mm-hmm. Usually have more, uh, they call them paisa. M- mom and dad is m- mostly Spanish speaking, right. you know, um, and they're just against each other. So one's blue, one's red. Uh, so they, you know, the big red and blue thing out there is yeah, really, colors, really big. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it was just super weird for me just because I'm Latino. Out here we have one big Latin gang and then everything else is for the most part either mixed or black. 
And uh, out there, it's not that. And it was two Latin gangs literally against each other. And I'm a Latin guy now in this new neighborhood, not knowing about these Latin gangs. And now getting into fights because of what I'm wearing. Mm-hmm. One day, I'll wear my Chicago Bulls jersey. Yeah, no, 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 right? And <laughs> it's like, you got the blues on me. And the next yeah, day, I'm wearing Latin a... Kings. Yeah, yeah. The next day, I'm wearing a blue shirt, and I got the reds on me. And after that, I just started getting into fights just because I was from Chicago. Yeah. And they'd say, I sound... Different. I sound country. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah it was just right. weird. It's in Chicago. Yeah, but yeah, so that was a big part of that. So you're 15 years old. You're mm-hmm. you're pretty much on your own now in a, yeah. in a different world. Sort of uh, like. 2002. Are cell phones a thing in 2002? I don't even remember. I didn't get a I didn't get a cell phone until probably only drug dealers year. had cell phones. Yeah, right? yeah big blocks. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. But I had a pager. Yeah, yeah you had a pager. Right? But uh, yeah, I, I remember getting my first phone. Texting was. Very, very new. So how, so what did you do? Did you stay in school? So I, and once I met my what, wife now. All right, so uh, you met a girl. I met my, oh yeah, I actually met her because my uncle, my mom's, I mean, my dad's uh, brother-in-law and his sister are pastors of a church now. Okay, now hang California. on, hang on. And it's not, now, you're, now, now, you're, now you're screwing with me. Yeah. So you go live with your dad. Yeah. Now he's not. He's not Christian. But, but he's not a gangbanger. No. And he's not a drug dealer. No. He's just a dude. He's a construction worker. He's just a yeah. dude work, living in, in he's California. He's a street paver. Yeah. And he's just getting, you're, you're running construction in California all year long because it doesn't get really yeah. wintry, right? Yep. So you go live with him. He's an alcoholic. Yep. So you don't really like him. You don't know him. Nope. And he's married. Marriage is fine. Uh, is yeah, for the most part. Can be, yeah. Right? But his sister and his brother-in-law. Yeah, her husband. Yeah, are pastors mm-hmm. of a church. Yep. Do we stop here, Justin, or should we go a little bit longer? They're pastors of a church, and and because you didn't know anybody else, and you want to get away from your dad, you started hanging out with your aunt and your uncle. Yeah. So my uh, my my dad's other brother was kind of like a deacon of the church, and there was a quinceanera. And he called my dad and said, hey, your son should come to this party. He'd meet some more people his age, some kids his age. And he passed me the phone, and he was like, hey, you should come out. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm not going to be here for long. I don't want to make no friends. And he was like, well, you need to meet new people. I'm like, no, I'm all right. Thanks anyway. He said, well, I'm already outside, so you need to come outside. <laughs> yeah, literally. So I'm come like, say hi. all right. Uh, so I, I put on whatever I could find. I was slightly dressy for a quinceanera, and I – Go outside, and he takes me to this quinceanera, and that's where I met my wife. Uh, so she was at the quinceanera. She was one of the, they call them damas. She's she, one of the girls involved so in the So she was 15. You were 15. She's actually a year older. She's 16. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it was a big party, a lot of, lots of girls? Yeah, there's a lot of girls. Most of them were from my family members from my dad's side that I never met, you know. So, so it's like a family reunion for you. You get to go meet people. That I never met. They were cousins. And it was your dad's family's church predominantly, church family. Uh yeah, pretty, uh, a lot of it. This together. Yeah, a lot of it. Yeah, it was pretty much cousins. Um. So you, uh, there's so much to unpack here, and we, <laughs> we, we don't have, we don't have all the time in the world. Right. But I, I always try to keep these at least to three. I think uh, Justin, I think we're gonna go four episodes with with Ivan. Yeah. So we'll see we'll see if we have a battery juice. <laughs> You're pulled away from your gang. Yep. Pulled away from your family. Pulled away from everything that you know. Your brothers, your godfather, your mother. Pulled away from it all. Yeah. But but do you have a drug problem? Yeah. Alcohol or drugs? So uh, 
I was smoking weed since I was in fourth grade, and up until this point, I, it was almost like a daily thing that I almost had to do. You yeah, know, of course. Uh, drinking. Uh, I started early on, so drinking was a big part of it. And then once I got to California, uh, pills was big for me. Because pills were out there. Yeah, so, it, yeah. So you get out there and you start meeting the new crowd. Yep. And some some bad guys, mm-hmm. right? There's some potheads and there's some dealers and there's some alcohol yeah. and there's some pill pushers. Yep. So you start hanging out with those guys and you start hanging out with the new church guys. Nope. I, I just literally, I started going to churches because I thought my girl was hot. So I was going to church on Sunday just to see her. All right. So you go to your uncle, your aunt and your uncle's church, Quinceanera, <clears throat> put this family thing together. Yeah. You're smoking a lot, drinking yep. a lot, partying a lot. You're meeting other people, just dealers. And- uh, so I didn't really have too many people that I that I wanted to meet. I just knew the people that I needed to know, which was the dealers, uh, whoever I was selling to. Right. And then other than that, I just met one guy at the church who was a lot older than me. He was, um, I'm 15, he was at least 24, his name's Gustavo, and he's still a great friend of mine. Um, and he had a car, and he just was like, if you ever need to ride anywhere, just Give me a call. I'm like, all right. I need a ride. I got a taxi now, you know, uh-huh. in the beginning. But he ended up becoming a really good friend of mine, uh, not knowing that he was recently saved himself. So I, he was just, I can relate to him. He, um, but because I got close to him, he was actually really close to all the youth, right? So a lot of the places he would go to were places he was either taking the youth or going to help the youth. So uh, I ended up seeing my wife a lot with him. And he would go to her house because her auntie was the youth pastor. Uh-huh. And she was staying with her or staying near her house. Uh, so a lot of the times, he'd be like, oh, I got to go drop these pictures off from the whatever party. He's a right. photographer. Uh, I'm like, all right. And so I ended up going and I'd see my wife or I'd see my, my girl there. And I'm and like, you, and you're not, ah. you're not dating. You're just just no. some hot Mexican chick. Yeah, yeah. She's just hot to me. And I yeah. just, and she didn't like me. Of she course, like right. Because you're a gangbanger from Chicago. She, she just didn't like my attitude or anything like that. But I was <laughs> not going to stop. You know, she, she fed out told me once. Because, you know, I would always try to shoot my shot at her at church. And she's like, and she flat out told me one day, she's like, you know what? She's like, you're cute. She's like, but I would never date a guy like you. She's like, I will not let God down, and I won't let my grandma down. Mm. And and that was like, so you're saying there's a chance. You know what I mean? Like, I I didn't, what are you talking about? Grandmother's dying. God's not real, right? Yeah, so, yeah, I just just never stopped trying. But uh, So, and and what you don't realize at the time is that girl is the thing God used yeah. to radically save your life. Life, yeah. All right, let's do that in episode three. All right. You ready to come back? Yep, let's do it. All right, guys, thanks for checking out another 316 podcast. I'm Clayton from 316 Creative Works. We're talking with Ivan. Check us out next time on part three of Talking with Ivan. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ivan. Great job. Hey, everyone. Thanks for checking out 316 Podcast. I'm Clayton from 316 Creative Works. Hey, just a reminder where you can catch us. You can always catch us on Facebook. That's 316 Podcasts. Uh, And if you just want to stream and listen, we're on uh, Spotify, Google, iTunes, Apple. What else is out there? Wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, That's 316 Podcasts. So that's the number three, the word 16 podcasts podcasts with an S, or you can always email us at 316podcast at gmail.com. I'm Clayton from 316 Creative Works. Thanks for watching 316 Podcasts. Thanks, guys. Thanks.